Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer Rohan Notkerny. Rohan, last night was game two of the NBA Finals, and we'll be spending most of today's episode talking about it. But we have incredible late-breaking news to hit right now before oh, I no. even ask you how your day is going. The Lakers and Darvin Ham. <laughs> have hired Rasheed Wallace as an assistant coach, teaming up two players from the 2004 Pistons team that embarrassed Los Angeles in the NBA Finals. (laughs) What is your very important reaction to this very important news? I'm thrilled that Rasheed Wallace is back (laughs) in the NBA. Completely thrilled that Rasheed, you know, Boston Celtics legend Rasheed Wallace. That's right, Might I add. Uh, The idea that Rasheed is going to be coaching LeBron is is very interesting to me. I just, I'm interested to see how that mix goes. Uh, they were rivals, Eastern conference rivals for a few years there. Now they're, uh, on the same side. What a, it, it does sound like the Lakers are actually letting Darvin Ham hire his own staff, which I think has been a problem for the Lakers the last few years. But yes, very excited to have Rashid Wallace in the NBA. Makes me feel very old to know that Rashid is coaching LeBron. Yes, all jokes aside, um, it is great to have Rashid in the league. Uh, great to see him on the sidelines. I actually think this is an Anthony Davis hire um, in terms of this is the guy who's going to be working with mm. Anthony Davis, trying to instill some of the old school beliefs that Rashid had when he played. <laughs> um, and Anthony I think that Davis that is... get 38 techs next year. so i think that that is i I wouldn't be surprised if they form a bond and that's kind of the Mm. the fundamental reason also you know having 
two guys from that Pistons team on your staff. It's I know the Lakers funny. are so proud of their history and the social media team loves and you, to... And you love to make fun of the Lakers and I their do. history. Yeah. I do like to make fun of them. Um, you know, I, I just wonder how many questions in the coaching interview process have to do with like what you thought about Kobe Bryant's X game. <laughs> like what can you name your five favorite Kobe moments? Like, is that could Kenny Atkinson not have the right answers there? It's just, oh, so God. yeah. So, you know, that's, that's good for the Lakers. They're wonderful. I hope not to speak about them for the next four or five months of my life. Uh, Rohan on today's show, We'll be taking a a very close look at Game 2 of the Finals. We'll look ahead to Game 3 of the Finals, and we will open up the mailbag a little bit. But first, a quick reminder to please keep your emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Mike, can Uh, I give the uh, listeners a quick uh, (laughs) behind-the-scenes peek into the open floor process? So as we know, know, we got producer JC. We also have producer Shelby. Uh, I guess we were sent some new podcasting equipment, but I don't know if you also received a very stern text from Shelby that said, please do not use any of the new podcast equipment without consulting me first. And they, it really just goes to show how little trust, <laughs> like you and I, this is the only thing you and I are capable of, is actually talking into the <laughs> microphone. Everything else, there's no trust in us, in our abilities to pull it off. I'm going to say speak for yourself. I got no text message from Shelby. No, he, obvi- I, he obviously has full confidence in me. I, um, I don't even think they want me opening the box until I'm on the phone <laughs> with Shelby. Uh, that's good stuff. Um, all right, Rohan. So let's let's get into it. Uh, last night in game two of the NBA Finals, the Warriors bounced back with a commanding 107-88 win over the Boston Celtics. Uh, the series is now tied 1-1, to heading back to Boston for game three on Wednesday night. I just want to flow through, you said the vibes earlier before we started recording, I just want to flow through this game with you. We'll keep it very loose. Where do you want to even begin this conversation? You were in attendance at game two, what is your bird's eye view takeaway of everything that you witnessed? Just what is on your mind, top of mind, when you think about what occurred in that game? Kind of actually how I don't think the battleground of this series has been set yet. I think game one was very weird, and I think game two was... Not weird's not the right word. I think both the games were very distinct. There's no feel to this series yet. For example, in the Miami-Boston series, we kind of knew that that series was coming down to Boston's turnovers and Miami's inability to score in the half court. In this series, I think we've had two very different games, and I don't think the rotations are fully set yet. It's just, to me, a series that I I don't know that... I I don't know what the carryover is going to be, basically. I didn't think a lot of what... like. You know, obviously there were adjustments, but, you know, I don't think we've gotten to that point yet where we know what each team's best is and, and how the other team's necessarily going to take it away. Um, In terms of what happened on the floor yesterday, I mean, Ime Udoka talked a lot about the turnovers after the game, rightfully so. Uh, he was clearly very upset. I mean, that's Boston's always their number one issue in the losses. To me, the most interesting kind of strategic quirk I saw in that game was I think the Warriors I think did a really good job of 
getting the Celtics out of those driving kicks that Mm -hmm. I think won them game one. Horford didn't take a three. I think Horford, White, and Smart took 23 threes in game one. They took only seven in game two, and Horford took zero of them. To me, that was the kind of the most glaring difference. But, yeah, I don't know about you, Mike, but I feel like I don't have a great feel for this series yet. And it's it's hard for me to say kind of where it goes from here. So these games have been a little strange, for sure. Um, I think, to me, you hit on the turnovers. I do think that that was uh, – the the number one thing to mm-hmm. take away from game two from Boston's perspective because they were up nine in total command with their starting five on the floor before they even, I think Derek White is absolutely critical to this series, before Derek mm-hmm. White even entered the game and before, you know, Golden State had to kind of go to their bench um, uh, and play, you know, GP2, pool GP2 was fine, but I think pool despite the shooting that he had in the third quarter after the game was kind of decided is still a little iffy in this series. And, you know, Bielitsa got minutes. But I think Bielitsa, that, you know, <laughs> I my guy, he was, he, he was de-owing Tatum a couple of times in that game. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? That is that is one of those things where on paper you're like, oh, man. And I think Belly ended up being a minus seven, but he had success on a couple of switches against Tatum in a way that was pretty shocking. I think the Celtics will be all for Bielitsa for playing sure, as many minutes as sure. possible. Um, but no, but the turnovers, they're up nine in total command in the first quarter, and then they just start throwing the ball around. Live well, ball I, turnovers. I, and I went back and watched every turnover after the game because I you know, I was like, Do the Warriors, you know, they switched up the defensive matchups a bit. Um you know they did not force a lot of these turnovers. They did not force a lot of those turnovers. I, I watched it and I couldn't believe it. It's just bad pass after bad pass, like bad decisions. I mean, yeah, there's a couple where maybe Tatum's driving and you know someone digs. Like Looney had like a strip, like a clean strip on him. Like it was just some. It was yeah, it was a lot of weird turnovers. And it's I I wrote like it's not like the Warriors said, okay, we're going to start playing an overly aggressive defense and we're blitzing everything and trapping everything. I mean, you know, throughout the course of the game, that stuff happens. But, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of unforced turnovers. And I was kind of shocked when I went back and watched last night how many of the turnovers I thought was, you just have to be better than that. Yeah, so Tatum's first turnover was he was isolating on Andrew Wiggins at the right elbow, and Draymond was on Marcus Smart, if I'm not mistaken. And Draymond just came over, doubled him. Tatum had, you know, clear view of the floor, saw the double coming, and decided to go up with the ball to shoot, to try to draw a foul. Draymond strips it, going the other way. You had uh, Marcus Smart throwing... Uh, he was not not his best last night. He threw one pass to Tatum on a back cut in the paint that Looney. It was basically a pass to Looney. I don't really know what Marcus Smart was looking at. And when you watch that play, it's like everyone on the Warriors is concerned. First of all, their paint protection is tremendous, and mm-hmm. the Celtics went one for three in non garbage time minutes at the rim in this game, which is also a huge, huge, huge factor. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't get to the rim in game one either, but, and that's intentional, but on this play, it's like, 
everyone goes with Tatum into the paint. Looney's there. Porter is helping off of Grant Williams. And it's like Grant Williams is just wide open at the top of the key for three. Smart throws that pass. And I'm just like, there were three or four possessions like that where the Celtics tried to thread a needle instead of just making like the simple pass to the open man. And when you turn it over, obviously you get zero points on the possession and you also create an opportunity for like the best transition offense that we've ever seen. And then they score, and now you also have to play against a set defense again. Correct. Like, it's it's yes. such a it's such a double whammy. So it, there's a cascading effect. That's absolutely yeah. right. So when you don't pass the ball to Grant and let Grant, who's a 41% three-point shooter, who has won them playoff games in this run, you don't give him an open look. It's just like you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot there. So there were some turnovers that the Warriors did force, I thought. And, and, um, and I think you do have to say them. It's easy for us to say these were unforced. They have to be better. Like, I, I do think it to give the Warriors credit. Everyone mentioned their defensive intensity was better. I think their focus was better. I think they were doing a better job. Off ball, like, those things will will rush you a little bit and, and kind of change your mental state a little bit where maybe because you're a little bit more comfortable in game one, you're not making those same turnovers. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, this is a theme that I want to hit. I don't know if we'll hit it now, but sure. I'll just ask you this question that I've been thinking about Mm -hmm. after watching the game. The Celtics have had a lot of success, um, and NBA teams in general have a lot of success running off of missed shots and running off of steals. Um, The Celtics were very active in transition. They wanted a push. They did not want to play in the half court. Mm -hmm. And my question is, is that the right way to be against this Warriors team when you have you are Such able a size to get, advantage on the wing? Yeah, yeah, you are able to get when you're patient. You can get almost any shot that you want against this team in the half court. The Celtics can can do that um, when they have the right players on the floor, which is another thing that we'll talk about. Um, yes, lineups extensively. And, and all yeah, that. Um, but do, just generally, like, do you think that's the right move to run and be so fast and speed the game up? Because in the third quarter, when they tried to do that, obviously, like, you're just kind of so, playing with fire with this team, right? Well, part of the problem, and to your point, is I think over the years, a big trap teams fall into with Golden State is like when Steph hits a couple of threes, 
it just it's it rushes you. You feel like you need to start getting it back and you need to start doing the same things. And I think the Warriors have been really successful over the last eight years forcing teams to play faster than they want to, uh, to feel like they need to increase their pace to kind of get caught up in this up and down game that Golden State's almost always better than you at. It's a fine line, Mike, because I, I hear you. I'm with you. Like, I think it, in the half court, like, you know, GB2, I think, did a good job on Tatum, but Tatum can shoot over. I mean, he had that one catch and shoot three where Peyton would think was helping on Jalen and, and Tatum, like, caught, you know, shot the three from the top of the key like there was no defender on him. I still think you need to get out in half court a little bit, but it, it needs to be more focused or still get out and transition a little bit, but it needs to be more focused. It needs to be more controlled than what it was in game two. I, 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 I'm hear you like you can still get good shots in the half court. At the same time, I do think Draymond picking up Jalen helped the Warriors defense. I think GP two helped them a lot. Um, moving clay onto Horford, I think helped, uh, the Warriors a lot. Like, I don't think the Celtics were getting good paint penetration in the same way they were in game one. And it just becomes a little bit more difficult for you if you're staying in the half court. But I think you're making a good point, which is, yeah, like transition sounds good, but not if you're a team that's turnover prone and and not running those, you know, I think they were just too sped up uh, even when they were getting those opportunities. Yeah, sped up is a good way to put it. There's one turnover Tatum had that really sticks out in my head where he had GP2 on him. They set a stagger screen for him to get pool on him. They used whoever was guarding Curry to set the first screen, whoever was guarding pool to set the second screen. Pool switches on Tatum. And Derek White is kind of, as Derek White is kind of floating back on the perimeter to take Curry out of the play, uh, Tatum just goes, like, before Curry even moves and drives middle. Curry is right there to help, strips Tatum, and they go out in transition, and I think Curry might have hit a three on that play. Um, There's a couple examples like that where it's like, okay, on this particular... I'm not saying, like, walk the ball up the floor when Rob Williams blocks a shot at the rim. Like, (laughs) those are plays where, yeah, you run, you have an advantage, but, like... The plays where you get up, you have pool on you, and it's like, okay, Tatum, like, force them to do something with this matchup or take a shot over the top because Tatum had his shot going the whole game, uh, Mm -hmm. or at least in the first half. Um, So I just think, like, his decision-making in game one was so much better than it was in game two, and I feel like it's kind of a hot take to say he had a better game one than a game two, but... If you have that opinion, that's fine, honestly. Um, but yeah, I, like I tried to ask, I tried to ask Tatum kind of about decision making after the game, but I don't, I didn't. Uh, every now and then, when you're asking a question, you'll include a phrase that's not meant to be the focus of it, but a player will take that as meant to be the focus, and that's what happened to me after the game. So I got to get that one back. <laughs> I got to get that one back when the series comes back for game five. But um, I, I actually, but I know what you're saying. I agree. I think this was a much different Tatum game. And I think you sent us a text about it, but yeah, like I, I was curious, like why were the assists so down? Did he feel like he had less opportunities? And I think for him, he was like, 
he said, I got the same shots I got in game one. I was just making them this time. But it did feel like maybe he was not as committed in this game to making those playmaking reads as he was in game one. I honestly see more. There were a couple forces. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Or um, or just like, a, like you mentioned, like that, the situation where he sees the help um, and is, but the shots going and, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's those little, you know, split second judgment calls that you make that maybe I think were a little bit better in game one. Right. And what I'll say to that is like, this goes to them switching the matchups. Yeah. And putting Clay on Horford and Draymond on Jalen, where Draymond isn't standing in the middle of the paint uh, in the first quarter and the second quarter, or whenever those two lineups kind of uh, squared off against each other. Draymond isn't like doing the thing where he's completely ignoring his man and is either at the nail permanently or at the dotted line permanently for the entire possession. Mm-hmm. Like that's, he's not doing that when he's guarding Jalen. And you saw very early Tatum actually had a driving, like lay, like kind of like a layup um, over Curry. It's because mm-hmm. Draymond is on the opposite yeah. slot looking at Jalen. So I thought that that actually was like a really smart adjustment by Steve Kerr. And I don't think that the Celtics will start, will change their starting lineup for game three. But I do think that, and this is something that you've kind of been um, inching at since the series began. Mm -hmm. I do think that playing Rob and Horford at the same time, playing any two big combination at the same time could be to Boston's detriment. The lineup date after two games suggests that's the case. I personally like I like what I saw defensively. I was going to say, I do think defensively it's still very, very good mm-hmm. at times. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we can get into it. You go, you go ahead. You go ahead. Defensively, I liked it. I thought Rob helping off of Wiggins for the most part. When Wiggins doesn't set the ball screen on Curry – it's a win for the Celtics because he's just helping off. He's making every drive. Like Clay had one play where he drove on Horford. It was like Clay's first touch, I think, or second touch. Drove on Horford. Rob's just like, I don't care about Andrew Wiggins. I will not care about Andrew Wiggins. I'm going to be in the paint here. Clay sees Rob Williams and throws the ball uh, into the third row. Um so I think that like the two big there is good, and the Celtics were up nine when he goes when Ime goes back and look at the film, he'll see Celtics were up nine with the starting five on the floor because their defense was dominant, and then they started to turn the ball over and the game kind of got out of their hands. So I don't think he's gonna blame the two big lineup for their inability to get any traction and build leads, but I do think that Derek White needs to play like thirty five minutes a game going forward in this series. I think he's absolutely critical. And if they do lose game three, um, starting him or starting Grant Williams over Rob is something that I would not be at all surprised if the Celtics did. I mean, I'm just surprised looking at the numbers. I think uh, Rob and Horford ended up being a minus in game two. I think all three of their big pairings that they've played, you know, 
any significant number of minutes. That's Horford and Rob, Horford and Grant, um, and Tyson Grant. We're all in the minus. Uh, the Tyson minutes, I think, probably need to go entirely in the next game. Um, yes, that's they a, do. That's a, yeah, they that's do. a low-hanging one. I think I don't think this is a series for Tice. Um, I think the issue they run into at times is when the Warriors are actually committed to like putting the ball in Steph's hands and not doing some of their more egalitarian things offensively. Those two big lineups are, are just more vulnerable. Uh, they're they're going to play a little bit more drop. They're not going to switch as much, and that gives Steph some open looks from three. And that can get him going. It can get the crowd going. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, you know, Rob had one of the most violent blocks I've ever seen in my life last night. I mean, on he Wiggins? has some. Yeah. Uh, what was the one? Who was, was it Wiggins? He was driving and it was kind of a on the left side of the rim. He like volleyball swatted yeah. Wiggins. Yeah. It was. Uh, so they have success, but I just think that it's, you know, and then you have Horford, for example. He he gets the clay matchup, but he's they're not really committed to going to him in the paint. He's a couple, I think, post-ups in the second half that don't go well. So I don't think those are bad looks, and I think Horford can score there. It's just it can be a little bit of crapshoot. And like in the playoffs, you don't always have time to kind of keep going to something like that and wait for it to even out in your favor. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see about the two bigs. I'm, I I too I don't think they'll change their starting lineup just yet, but I think it's worth considering. I, I was just kind of going over maybe some of the lineup geometry in my head last night, and in my mind, let's say this was a game seven and you're really tightening the rotation, or games five or six even, and you have White, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and Horford. They're all pushing around forty minutes. The issue I think the Celtics are going to run into lineup-wise there and why we're seeing these two big lineups, I think Tice is playing because I don't know that they want to push Rob in his knee right now. And beyond that, I think that they're one perimeter guy short to play more small than they already are. Because if if you have White, Smart, Tatum, and Brown, let's all say playing big minutes, like Pritchard is really their only non- big backup right now and I think that's hurting them a little bit because Pritchard was good in game one at game two they made it a I think a more of a point to target him he didn't have the shot and then that's that and I think that they are like they just need a guy they can survive on the floor with for a few minutes and they don't have that I don't uh I don't mind Pritchard really at all in this series I think he can hold his own on on both ends if you're targeting Peyton Pritchard then you're kind of getting out of what you want to do mm-hmm. offensively um like they're they're putting him on pool and it's not like he's been a disaster it's just it's just a little you know your risk profile is just a little higher sure he's he can be in the rotation though um yeah. I think like the bigger thing is you want to increase Grant Williams minutes and I honestly thought that they would switch a little bit more in this series on the Steph ball screens. And they really don't like the Horford matchup. That's that's yeah. clear. Um, something that yeah, was they really, did it a couple times, but yeah, they are. So something really interesting to me, um, and I might write about this. Um, so I hope I'm not stepping too much on it, but 
there were two or three possessions in this game out of sideline out of bounds baseline out of bounds plays where the Celtics started with Horford on Steph Curry I think they were anticipating a screen that they could switch um and the Warriors were just like here's the ball Steph it's <laughs> <laughs> just like I like that play they everyone screenshot that play brain. yeah no they yeah they there's that play where um uh, there were four Celtics. People screenshotted this. Yeah. There's like four Celtics in the paint, basically crowding Curry, and Curry just like throws a bounce pass to Looney for the layup. And that play began with Horford on Curry, and Curry starts to cook drives, and they don't even need a screen for him. There was another play. Uh, it was the play in the third quarter where um, Mark Jones did the – Curry takes Horford's ankles call or you weren't watching mm. on television, but I actually was, but we don't have to talk about that. Oh, are you in the media room? <laughs> I was. <laughs> what a move. Um, but yeah, like I think the clay on Horford thing and you nailed it on the head talking about how you attack that. That's a, that's a question for the Celtics to answer because they didn't, post up Horford in the first half at all posted him up with eight minutes to go after I think a clay three or a curry three and <laughs> yeah. it was off a turnover that seemed very desperation and for Horford, some reason yeah Horford's post up was like high off the glass yeah um, complete and miss and then led to a, a bucket post the player but is it me or just like a post for some reason a post up possession that results in a miss just always feels like it hurts so much more than any other miss you get in your offense when it's at the rim and the shooter falls over uh yeah it's it's devastating it's just like (laughs) for some reason it always feels like we can never do that again like we just tried it and it just it went so poorly it's because there's just all the focus of every single person on the building is just on these two players. And when you miss, it's just like, it's like we can't go back to that. But I, I I think Horford is good enough that I don't think the Warriors are, let's say Clay gets posted up three times in the first quarter in game three. Horford scores on two of them. I don't know if that's enough to spook the Warriors to change their defense entirely, but maybe it makes everyone take one step closer to the post up. It it's just it's so easy to like overreact to games or an, like overanalyze, but sometimes it's as simple as like, can you get someone taking an extra step in a different direction or whatever? And like, I think that's why you have to at least somewhere in the back of the Warriors' minds, the players on the floor, you have to put a little fear in them that this matchup's not going to work in their favor. You know what I mean? Like. Somewhere yeah. Draymond needs to think, oh, in the first quarter, Al scored on these twice. I'm going to be an extra half step off, or I'm going to direct someone, shade someone's help a little bit closer. And that then has the word of this podcast, a cascading effect. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think that it's more about, yeah, you could post them up early and see what you get there and try to get them out of that matchup. But it's more about like, if you let's say you have uh Rob on the or Grant on the floor instead of Rob, and because you have Clay or Derek White instead of Rob, and because you have Clay on 
uh, Horford, all of a sudden, it's like, uh, we need to downsize. Like, who is Looney guarding right now? Yes. Um, yes. That's another, yeah, I agree. It becomes harder for them. That was something I meant to bring up. It's easier for them to guard their two big lineups because they're happy with the Clay on Horford matchup. And I think it becomes more difficult for Golden. Like, Golden State, I think, is then forced to downsize as well. Yeah. So, where else do you want to? I guess like we should talk about Draymond in particular. He was a very big talking point um, <laughs> during the game, after the game. Uh, well, I will say we we the Warriors' defense does deserve a lot of credit, and that adjustment putting Draymond on Jalen I do think helped. I think mean, I think Jalen obviously started off super hot, and he missed some shots that he normally makes. Like he's a tough shot maker, um, but he uh, I, yeah. Can I just say real quick, he's a tough shot maker, but the dis it's like when he hits a like a hang dribble jab step pull up from the right elbow where like everything's kind of flat and there's like 10 on the shot clock and he just elevates it's a tough shot but those are like good shots for him when he hits like a or takes like a fading off one leg in the paint random like forced shot over like andrew wiggins when it's like just it's, this was one play, I think, off an offensive rebounders <laughs> in transition that's in my head. And I was just like, what is he doing? Like, set it. Like, this is what I'm talking about with, like, they just played so fast. Um, yeah. And that has driven, in a lot of ways, playing fast has gotten them where they are. In other ways, it's like, dribble out, pass it to Tatum because no one can guard him right now. <laughs> like, just like, I, so I don't know. Some of that is a little bit frustrating. But yeah, he, yeah. he's a tough shot maker for sure. But so yeah, I do want to make sure like the Warriors defense was better and and that was a huge defensive response from them. Um I do Let's think we Draymond. should talk about Draymond. Yeah. Who you know, for stretches of the game I think was maybe the most impactful player on the floor was also on full tilt from the opening minute and it I could have gone either way, man. It really could have. I can't even make sense of the quote he gave after the game where he was like, I'm not saying necessarily I'm officiated differently, but I've earned the right to be officiated differently. It was like, wait, what? Incorrect. Just incorrect. Uh, also, I, I understand what Draymond is saying. Like, Does he maybe get ejected sometimes because of his reputation? Yes. Does he also, he could be thrown out in the first quarter of literally every game. <laughs> and I don't want him to, like, but for I like for him to say, like, he gets a bad whistle, like, after his first tech, it was like they gave him the first tech to be like, hey, man, now you got to chill a bit so you're not picking up a second one. And he instead was like, oh, you gave me a tech? Now I'm going to go absolutely... 100% and dare you to throw me out and the refs didn't and it's a just a weird subplot to these games I, I there were multiple media members saying oh we think Draymond's getting thrown out tonight like there's no way I mean he very to me really? like yeah that's I mean it was that's that interesting just because I he was that on tilt. I mean, he very clearly purposefully rested his legs on Jalen Brown after that in that weird dust up. And I'm glad again that they didn't throw him out. I, I don't it to me it's just not worth it. I want to see the best players play, but yeah, he was uh 
He was on one, man. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So <laughs> I, th- I thought that, look, defensively, he spearheaded a team that held the Celtics to three shots at the rim in non-garbage time. Mm-hmm. They made one shot at the rim in non-garbage time after the percentage of their shots in game one was the lowest that it's been all season long, Boston's offense. Like, he's, from that perspective, doing his job, doing a terrific job. They could easily be up 2-0 in this series off of that defense if Horford doesn't catch fire, Derek White doesn't catch fire, etc. But I will say, um, (laughs) yeah, game two's energy from him, it was like, and I know that they they were desperate to win that game. If you go down 0-2, going back to Boston's not No team has ever lost the first two home games and won the finals. Yeah, so, like, it's not an insult or anything to say, like, oh, he's... He's feeling desperation. It was like a 10 out of 10 on the desperation meter in yeah. game two, which... Um, well, I think part of that was also he was not good offensively in game one and a big reason Was he for good why. offensively in game two is No, 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 question. but I'm saying, I'm saying that I think that ratcheted up the pressure on him to have a response. Correct. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the Celtics players after the game, I think... Jalen, I don't have the direct, direct quote in front of me, but was basically like, "That's what he does. That's how every he's made Celtic his career." Uh, like, yeah, he, he, they were there was some good uh, there was some good like we're sick of Draymond subtlety from the Celtics after the game. I think someone asked email like, "There's this one guy, bless his heart, who was like asking about Draymond all night, and that's why I mean he was a big story." I was asking about the threes all night. That's not meant to be an insult. I just want to make that clear. But, um, and, uh, so it was asked about Draymond. And Ime was like, yeah, he can only guard one guy at a time. Um, and yeah, I saw then, that quote. Uh, yeah, that was great. Um, so I was like, Al, like, how did Draymond's, like, you know, like, effect in, you know, his intensity. Did he say, like, he didn't do anything or something like he, that? He was, he was like, no. He was, like, he was just, like, downplaying all his antics. Like, he's like, no. He's like, we're not worried about him. Like, um, he, he was asked, like, if if Draymond's, like, dust up with Jalen, maybe rush Jalen a bit or, or contribute to some of his struggles. And he's like, I just thought Jalen missed some shots and turned the ball over. Like, they were just mm-hmm. so – everyone was the, – the message was out. We're downplaying Draymond Green. Um, 
And I think they're just so sick of him already, which I don't blame I mean, them. Honestly, I mean, the, like, the, the quote-unquote, fa- the foul on Grant Williams that Draymond somehow drew in which he just ran into him and so, threw him yeah, and so put, let me, put him on the ground. <laughs> yes, there were, so this is what I'm talking about when I say like his, his energy could have really gone in the opposite yes. way. He tries to pick a fight with Tatum early in the game and... Tony Brothers calls a foul on an inbound where, like... That was a Draymond's hilarious just, like, sequence. Draymond's just flailing. It, it, I mean, it's just like it wasn't a foul. I'm sorry. Was that less of a foul, or was Jalen Brown's foul on Gary Payton less of a foul? That, yeah, that's another one. And that was a big call, because even though Gary Payton... Just, it's like a missed it the free Tatum's throws. It was Tatum's second foul, right? Brown's second Jaylen, foul. Yeah, Jalen. So yeah. he they took him out of the game, and he had it, he had it rolling at that point. <laughs> Um, there was the play where, and this is what I'm saying, like the desperation, like Draymond's so good at, um, keepers on the dribble handoffs. And there was one early where the Celtics switched it as they do. They put Derek white, switch Derek white onto Draymond. Draymond's just like, I don't care. I am going to the rim right now. And Derek white played it. Great. Hands up, backpedaling, shoulder to chest, Draymond misses the layup, ball goes off the rim, and then there's the, the whistle for a foul. Here we like, go. Plays Here like we go. That, yeah. plays like that. Plays like that. I'm just saying, like plays like that um, that are like very bang bang. If the whistle is not blown, and this is why Ime calls like this, or why Ime got his tech. There's just like, what is even happening? Um, if you miss we're a layup, gonna do, if we're gonna do ref talk after I didn't, no, I don't. If I, I, if I'm I'm not, if after I'm not, I didn't do a 15 minute presentation on the Max Struess three, <laughs> then we're not. Then you, then I don't want to hear about a late whistle on a like a second quarter. No, layup. I'm just. I'm literally just. Out, I'm breaking down the game and how <laughs> okay. it, it went in Draymond's okay, favor. Okay, That's okay, all. okay, okay. Um, but plays like that where it's like instead of. Two free throws, you could have had Celtics in transition going the other way because in your head, you thought you had an advantage and you didn't. And it wasn't like a very smart play. And I just think it's indicative of like, I don't think he's very good off. He can be very good offensively in this matchup. Like, I don't think that look two for 12. I don't think he's going to shoot two for 12 in every game. Um in this game, he took three shots. Like, I, I just don't... And I know that that's not... He has seven assists. I understand all that. But I just don't think that, you know, when the Celtics are switching everything, when he's going to the split action, they open the third quarter with a set hammer play where he, he spins baseline off of the post touch and just, like, throws the ball out of bounds because the Celtics sniffed it out. Like, there's just so much stuff that he can do against a lot of other teams. And I know he had one keeper layup for sure in the third quarter, but they take away so much of how he's successful offensively um, against so many other teams because of their switching and their versatility. And so, yeah, like I think the Celtics are right to be like, we aren't really like that focused on Draymond Green right now. Cause sure. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I do think defensively and I, I, to me it was less about like, I think they were just trying to downplay how how much his antics were annoying them, but I do think he was getting he was probably most successful getting under their skin a bit. Uh, I'm with you that I I do think that you know a lot of the Draymond offensive genius is countered by the Celtics defensive genius. Um, mm-hmm. 
I do think him being a little bit more aggressive, a willingness to put the ball on the floor, like that white play, I agree. It's like not necessarily a great play, but yeah, he was aggressive. He, it worked. He put the onus on the refs and he got a foul call. Um, that is that it has value, like uh, that he do, he doesn't do enough of that. And again, you don't want him to hijack the offense. There's a fine line, but I do think that there is something to be said about when he is at the same time, like him also not letting the defense just sag off and him literally doing nothing about it. Um, I think is even worse. So, yeah, I mean, the desperation was there, and I do think him having those moments of aggression, being willing to at least take it to the rim, be a part of that movement and not just a facilitator, um, I think that is also needed. That's not to say he's gonna he needs to try to turn into a scorer. Like you said, he only took three shots. But I, I, I liked that aspect from him offensively because they can that I think it's better than him being stagnant. Oh, he's yeah, he's got to be himself, and that yeah. is that's who he is for sure. I'm not, yeah. yeah. I just don't know if that's going to be enough as this series unfolds, but we will see. Um, are there any other players that you want to? I have an email that I want to read in a, in a minute, but are there any right. other players that we haven't hit that we we their talked about? Just kind of stands out. We just talked about GB two a tiny bit, maybe a mention. I do think you mentioned he's going to be an important part. We were texting about him during game one. He hit his one three. I think he helps them defensively. I think the, you know, they went to a lineup that I think might end up being their best lineup in this series, depending on where Clay is at on a given night. But it was Curry, Wiggins, GP2, Porter, and Draymond, and I think that's going to be a really important five for them. There was a, there was just a one of those Nirvana stretches in the second quarter. The Celtics went small. It was white. Brown, Tatum, Smart, Horford, the Warriors had the lineup I just mentioned, and it was just two teams playing their best players, up and down action for three or four minutes, and it was so fun to watch, really competitive basketball. Um, And I think GP2, you know, we talk about Draymond and what he does, preventing shots at the rim. I also think the the penetration, the dribble penetration the Celtics had in game one uh, not having Clay guard the perimeter players, not having Pool in certain lineups, I think helped the Warriors take away some of that dribble penetration. And I think Peyton's going to be an important player for them in this series. He played 25 minutes and basically, you know, the, almost the entire fourth was garbage time. So I think he was in for a pretty big minute tonight. Yeah, he. They were positive when. He was on the floor, and there was one Tatum post up where he drew a foul uh, on Gary, and that was the one play where the Warriors were like, "We want to see this isolation. Where we're not going to help off the three point line. We're going to watch Tatum go." It was successful for Boston, and then from that point on, it was like the Celtics were still like trying to to switch, get Gary Payton the second to switch off of Tatum as much as they could, as they should. On the other end, you know, you had Horford guarding him. Um, the help wasn't as aggressive as you would maybe like if you're the Celtics off of him. Even though he hit that first, the first corner three, like I would still, um, you know, when he's not setting the ball screen and forcing you to come up and guard it, like, you know, be in the paint if you're a big mm-hmm. on him. Um, anybody else? 
that rings to mind or can we get to this this email what are your what are your thoughts um just that i know you're there's like a deep bubbling hatred of jordan pool forming inside of you after <laughs> <We> a, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh all love uh, and respect to jordan pool um yeah uh in all seriousness like i i i'm not like super convinced I was I was skeptical of his ability to impact this series positively for the Warriors Agreed. before and the series. He, yeah, he he got going after the run had happened. I'm with you. I I, I think uh, as the series unfolds, I think GP2 is going to end up playing more than him. Uh, I said this as a joke in the group chat, and then Sam Swandiari tweeted it the other night. Um, shout out to Max Struess, who could hold its own defensively in a way that Jordan Poole could not. Every team could use the Strucinator, um, who is robbed of one of the greatest shots in NBA history. But anyway, we can get to this email. Um, the <laughs> I'm just looking at uh, at Poole's, Poole's numbers um, in terms of when he was on the floor and like how... Kirk closed with GP two at the end of the first half, and that's just like not. Yeah, I, like, that's. How I, you know. They're gonna give. They should give his minutes to, um, to GP two. I, I, I one lineup they played that was interesting was it was Thompson in place of Porter. So I think they then went from the lineup I mentioned to Curry, Peyton, Thompson, Wiggins, and Draymond. If Clay's having a good night. That's an interesting lineup for them. Um, he wasn't last night, but I love how the end of the second half or end of the first half is always like the the little like pre- the little appetizer for what the fourth quarter is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, the little preview, and yeah, I'm with you. Peyton's that's when the Celtics that go small with White yes, exactly. and the starters always. Yeah, and so that's usually when teams are playing their quote unquote closing lineup. Um, you know given foul trouble whatever but yeah I'm, I'm with you that i think gp2 is clearly i think destined for a bigger role than pool in this series yeah and the other guy real quick i want to mention is andrew wiggins who did a really good job i thought on the offensive glass um that's mm. where you know when he's left alone he needs to crash the offensive glass as much as possible and I think he he entered. Well, I know he entered the finals tied with Looney for the most total offensive rebounds in the entire postseason. I'm not sure where that stands right now, but he did a really good job. Even when he didn't finish, um, him securing offensive rebounds and trying to get putbacks mm-hmm. and either drawing fouls or just. I also you know, yeah, he like stepped into a three. I think on Rob, I, I like that he's trying to be aggressive in that matchup. He um, needs to be. He absolutely yeah, needs for to sure, be. For sure. He's, I know he didn't have the greatest game statistically, but in my but opinion, I thought he's, he, yeah, I'm with you. I thought he played really, really well, really, really yeah. well. Like the shooting wasn't necessarily efficient, but I think he had a good game. Right, he's still a kind of like a bellwether player for me in this mm-hmm. series, um, and what he does going forward is going to be really fascinating. And how the Celtics, if the Celtics continue to just completely ignore him and he can't take advantage, I think that that'll be that'll be trouble. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Um, okay, let's go to this email from Thaddeus, Open Floor Hall of Fame listener. Writes, what's up, Open Floor? Michael made a comment on the finals game one pod about Kevon Looney getting some offensive rebounds despite Al Horford being in good position. In both the Memphis and Dallas series, I remember a ton of possessions where the defense was in good position, but the ball just exploded off the rim for a Golden State offensive rebound. Does Golden State intentionally just have the tightest rims in the league? They probably already take deeper threes on average, which would result in more long rebounds. But if you told me tight rims for long rebounds as part of their home court strategy, I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, I'd go so far as to say that would make sense when you watch. Game six against Memphis is when it really jumped out. It was wild how often Memphis boxed out only for a rebound to Sky over the player boxing out. Do you have any other fun home court conspiracy theories like the broken AC in the Heat Spurs Convenient. Finals? Convenient. Or Boston using a wheelchair every three to five playoff games to get the yes. crowd involved. Drag so, them. Thaddeus, thank you so much for your email. I just want to say for the record, that's just like not even true about the Celtics, but you know, we so can, true. Oh my we, God. My man Paul Pierce had to go to the bathroom and you know, they went I think that he game. had already gone to the bathroom. I Absolute think that's legend. why. Yes. Uh, legendary yeah. stuff. Um I do you do you have anything uh first well, first would you like to address real quick the uh the broken AC at uh I'm blank I mean it changed the, the course of it changed the course of NBA history. I mean if the the Heat win that championship, LeBron doesn't go back to Cleveland. And yeah, it's an entirely different instead they knew they couldn't beat the Heat straight up and they had to break the AC. There was a close fourth quarter. People forget the Heat had a very good chance to win that game, one in the fourth quarter. How did they um, know that none of their own players would cramp up, though, is my question. Oh, because there's not a guy on the other – because they know they've been prepping them all night, like, hey, guys, <laughs> eat this banana. Here's some extra fluid. Here's all this. Have some more Gatorade. Um, you know what's coming in the fourth. going to be a hot one. Um Meanwhile, you have a guy who famously cramped up in the finals because he's playing at such a higher level than everyone else. Absolutely. Um, flying around the floor, breaking player tracking models. Shout out to Prime LeBron. Um, that was game one, right? And they lost in five? Was, yeah, except they won game two. Um, ah, yes. It was just, it changed the entire series, Mike. It changed the entire Absolutely. series, Mike. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with Dwayne Wade's deteriorating health. It had everything to do with LeBron cramping in game one. I don't know that I have any conspiracy theories. I do think the Celtics are like just way overly dramatic and, you know, 
uh, just like I guess when all your fr- like franchise titles happen when the NBA was on tape delaying in black and white, you kind of need to like add some histrionics or whatever to kind of get the crowd going there. Um, I will say this Pure is gibberish. not. Pure this gibberish. doesn't. No, everyone. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, Udonis Haslam would have packed up Bill Russell. Um, the fact that you go public with that take as frequently as you do as a professional person is <laughs> is amazing to and me. I, and I have so much respect for Bill Russell too, particularly Sounds it. yeah, yeah, you totally. Udonis Haslam would have absolutely packed him up. Um, I would I would live with the Darrell Wright on Bill Russell matchup and. Um, you know, let no, keep going, <laughs> keep going. We are recording, <laughs> uh, you know, and I think, yeah, because you know, Chalmers is on Koozie, and I like what we have there. Um, I will say that this is nothing to it doesn't impact the game, but Dallas has the loudest mic'd rims in the league that I've ever heard, and every missed shot there like sounds like something has fallen from the roof of the arena and landed on the court. And it's not a joke about the rain. Like it's you such can a, hear that in person. Cause you can hear it on TV. I've never been. To yes. Dallas. No. Yes. It's like, it's a kerplunk every time a shot hits the rim in that arena. It's way over the top. It forces, I think Cubans talked about this. It forces you to pay attention to the game. Like you can't, when you go to the game, you're not like staring at your phone um, interesting it like involves you as a fan as a as a crowd member and it makes the environment better i think that's what I, Maybe, I'm, I'm almost positive you know what? He said you that. well it t- to me that it's then taken away by their very talkative pa announcer mm. just as who's talking he's talking <laughs> um i don't have a great i mean throughout the league's history the celtics have been known to you know cut off the warm water in the showers um dead spots on the old boston garden floor uh they used to sit a leprechaun up on the back of the rim and when shots would come in the leprechaun would kick the ball out for the opposing (laughs) team also something that they used to do um i will say the one thing that comes to the top of my head is and I guess this is, I don't mean to point one team out, so apologies to the great slash mediocre city of Cleveland, Ohio, but wow, the crowd noise in that arena is not entirely artificial, but it's there's a lot of artificial noise, and it gets very, very loud at really? certain times. So I want to say, I'm, a hundred, I'm not like, I don't have facts here. But I'm also 100 percent certain that that's the case. I don't have facts here, but that's that's what. Uh, wow. I've been Spoken in the arena like a true podcaster. I've been in the arena. I've heard it with my own two ears. Like it's it's extremely loud. I was looking around. No one was making any noise. So I was like, "What's happening?" The exact opposite is true when you go to Barclay Center um, and you're able to just pull out your favorite novel, crack it open. Wow! Yikes. That's how it is at Barclays, where they, they, they need the fake crowd noise. I wish they would play it. Well, maybe they need to engineer the fake, oh my God, our player is dead moments. No surprise. They're entering the game 30 seconds later. Maybe if they did a couple of those every playoff series, uh, yeah, you know, fans no, totally. would get into the games. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that you would have missed. You probably still would not have recovered enough to to, to record a podcast with me if you suffered the ankle injury that Marcus Smart did in that game three of the conference finals. I think you might have retired from professional life. You would be bedridden still to this moment. So, Mike, I'll have you know that I tweaked a hip on a very brisk walk the other day um, <laughs> up these San Francisco hills. And that did stop me uh, from, you know, making it to game five. So, or game Atta two, boy. rather. At five o'clock. You're switching so, up the games. You don't even know where you are. It's one slight <laughs> little physical hiccup, and it's just downhill. Listen, these they're not joking about these hilly streets in San Francisco, brother. Um, you, you're like, oh, this coffee shop's 17 minutes away. That's not a problem at all. And then you realize it's it's very close by. It's just uphill the entire time. Uh, that's been an interesting experience. Glorious. So on that note, I think we can wrap up today's show, Rohan. Um, thank you so much for your expertise, your insight. <laughs> Every um, time you-, you say that at the end of the show, it sounds like you're dragging it's, me it's totally literally honest. every time no it sounds it's not it's <laughs> it's, it's it's from the bottom <laughs> of my heart okay okay yeah right. um <laughs> thank you so much to our listeners as well who know that i'm being earnest and honest and not sarcastic mm-hmm. um please keep the emails coming openfloormail at gmail.com that's openfloormail at gmail.com they've been so terrific we're gonna try to uh, hit also i'm just gonna say it we are, as sad as I am to say, we're headed toward the end of the NBA season. It's true. If, if listeners have idea for things they want in the off season, I floated out the open floor movie club. Um, you know, I think it's time to get some suggestions going. It's time. It's never too early. Yeah. Please keep those emails coming. All right, everyone. Please stay safe. Please enjoy the rest of the NBA finals. And happy Love Island Day to all who celebrate. Hey. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The Shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 